Welcome to episode seven of the Endurance Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schamberg, and back with us after an episode off is Greg Hawkins. What's going on, Greg? Hey, man. The kitchen looks almost exactly the same as it did last week. Uh, so you, you, you missed the podcast for no reason. No, there, I mean, there's walls now. Okay, walls are good. Well, last week, uh, if you listen to last episode, episode six, we talked about shit. Basically, yes, poop stories and an endurance athlete. So pause this, go back, listen to that, and come back and check it out. Greg, did you get a chance to actually listen to, to it? No, I still have not listened to a single episode of this podcast. I'm telling you, it was, it was a great... I laugh my ass off. So I've I've heard I've heard from our mutual friends that it was hilarious and um, I was not missed. So no, not at all. Maybe maybe Sunny needs to be the the permanent replacement. Yeah, she. Whenever you can't make it, or when I decide to stop telling you we're recording, we'll get Sunny on. But um, so this episode, we're going to talk to a different type of athlete. We've talked to ultra marathoners. We've talked to triathletes, um, endurance swimmers. Uh, what else? Who else have we talked to, Greg? We talked to cross-country cyclists. You know, a little yeah. bit of all the, the normal go-to sports, running, cycling, swimming. But today we're going to talk to a guy who does endurance mountain biking rides. Um, not cross-country mountain biking, but the enduro series. So mountain biking, which in and of itself is an endurance sport. So we're going to have Jerry Devin join us here in just a moment. But before we get started with Jerry, Greg, what's your favorite race that we've talked about on this podcast so far? Oh, man, that's tough. So we've talked about Race Across America. We've talked about the Odolo. We've talked about the Vol State, not yes. the Ball State. Um but the one that's the craziest, I think, still, and even though I'm a swimmer, uh, is got to be the, the Catalina the uh, channel. Sabrina's 20-mile swim with shark-infested waters. 26-mile swim through shark-infested waters. That's, that's the craziest one so far. And then I, I really think we need Andy, who helped organize the uh, – uh, Odolo Catalina, who's done the Triple Crown, that that he should be a, a next guest. But um, I'm, well, I'll I'm leave you, Jerry, because I'm sure Jerry's done one of the endurance races that I really is on my bucket list. So I'm I'm, I'm anxious. I'm anxious for this interview. All right. Well, I, I really didn't really care about your opinion on that. I really wanted to talk about the Vol State. It was just a way for me to bring it up. So f your Vol State, man. So today, July 9th, is the start of the Vol State 500K road race. Uh, basically starts in uh, Darina Landing, Missouri, goes across the Mississippi on a ferry into Kentucky, across Tennessee, into like three miles of Alabama, and then finishes up in Georgia. Well, that started today in Tennessee. Excuse me. And two of our previous guests, both Joshua Holmes and Carl Stutman, are in the race. Josh was going to do the Badwater 135. Uh, was it last week or something, but that got canceled last minute. And I just looked on the, uh, the website for the Vol State uh, that he is uh, running the Vol State right now. So, so Josh and Carl are running the Vol State at the 12-hour check-in. Uh, let's see, Carl was at mile 38 and Josh was at mile 55. 
And uh, if you want to check out the results, go to vacationwithoutacar.com and you can look at the last annual Vol State and you can twice a day check in and see where the runners are at. But um, so good luck to Carl and Josh on there. But today we're going to talk with Jerry Devin. Jerry, welcome to the Endurance Athlete Podcast. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me here. You sound, you're, earlier you're talking all, you know, about things we're going to talk about today. Now you're very reserved. So we'll have another beer. In very it. reserved. We'll loosen you so, up. So Jerry, we don't. It's good, don't, it's good to be on the, you know, the endurance athlete when uh, I'm not sure I consider myself an endurance athlete, even though like some of the things in my discipline have that. I, I don't either. I don't either. I would never do the ball state. That's dumb. <laughs> you're still an endurance athlete, you know, or you're, you're in the endurance sports arena. We don't really not sure if you're an endurance athlete or not, Greg. I'm an endurance drinker. Yes. <laughs> who also does sports. Yes. So Jerry, like I said before, is a mountain biker, but he does not just your typical mountain bike riding on trails. He does a specific type of sport. Jerry, tell us a little bit about enduro mountain biking. Sure. So enduro mountain biking is really a mix of both downhill disciplines and cross-country disciplines. Um, it really involves climbing to the top of mountains, to the top of race stages, and then descending downhill as fast as you can uh, from, you know, from your stages from the start to the finish, um, repeating it, climbing back up again. Um, and usually there's about like five, six stages in a particular day. And some races are um, one day and other races are multiple days. So the, the, the Enduro series that you're doing, it's the only the downhill time though that counts, correct? That's, that's correct. The, the uphill climbs are, are not timed. The, uh, the stages may have some uh, uphill climbing, but in general, they're, they're net downhill runs so and you're just going you're just going balls out as fast as you can yeah so that's you know the endurance part of that from you know i've been training you to help you do better in your endurance training or endurance races enduro races excuse me mm -hmm. and part of what i'm training you for is not just the downhill but we're working on your stamina your strength and endurance to go uphill so when you get to the top of these hills that way you're fresh and then you can focus on like you said going balls to the wall downhill um, and you know, so even though it's not timed, it's a critical part of the sport because if you're exhausted by climbing, then it's already going to take away from your downhill experience. Jerry, it's, it's not like time, but you have a, you can't like take all day to get to the, the start, right? Because you have to do a certain number of iterations, correct? That that's true. They the the way these race formats work, a lot of times they'll they'll need to shut down stages at certain parts during the day. So you need to complete these stages by you know various times, and that'll allow um, other stages to open up. Because sometimes uh, on some occasions the the same finish line is is shared on right. different stages. So I mean, it's like it's not like you can just you know, take all day to get back up to the top to start your next iteration. You've got to, you've got to push. Otherwise you, I'm assuming you'll get like staged out if you don't make the next gate. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So no, are you doing this 
are you doing this on a downhill bike? Or are you doing it on what kind of bike is are you riding? Um, so you know, thanks to the folks at uh, Transition Bikes, I'm I'm set up on a couple different bikes right now. Um, one, both are more longer travel suspension bikes. They they both pedal pretty well. They're both designed a little bit differently. Um, one has, uh, uh, the bike that I primarily race has uh, 160 millimeters of front travel and 140 millimeters of rear travel. The rear travel I have set up with a coil shock so it, it'll handle really big hits and you know big rock drops and um, anything that a fairly aggressive course can dish out. 29 inch wheels. Um, the bike's not super light because I run downhill casing tires on the bike, which are quite heavy, about right. you know, 11, 1200 grams per tire, you know, which is about double what a normal tire would be. But that's like my entire tri bike on your two tires. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then to make a more bulletproof, uh, See, I'm not a, I'm not a little guy, you know, I, 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 you know, with, with all my gear on set up for an enduro race, like I'm, I'm coming in at like 195, 200 pounds and, you know, putting some punishment to uh, wheels and tires. And so I set the bike up. Oh man, you said Most you're not important. a little guy. You're 195 pounds. I'm like <laughs> sitting here at like 198. <laughs> I don't yeah. even have any pants on. Yeah. But Jerry's all muscle. That's the difference between the two of you guys. <laughs> His calves are like the size of like my quads. I mean, it's, it's insane to look at you know, Jerry's calves. Now, so, so these races, you've got these pretty sturdy bikes because the way Jerry always comes in uh, to a workout describing it, it's like balls of the wall going downhill is essentially the best way to describe it. I mean, you are no holds barred. You're just holding on for dear life, you know, trying to pedal when you can, trying not to crash the, other, the rest of the time there. And every time I see Jerry, he's got new bruises, scrapes, cuts, like he's been in, like in a fight with a mountain lion every weekend. Yep. And clearly the fastest way down the hill is not to crash. So <laughs> I try to avoid that if possible. Right, right. I feel like you crash almost every weekend. I, I crash a lot. Um, I always like to push myself, so... You know, maybe I, I, although in race runs, I usually don't crash that often. I, I push myself pretty hard, you know, preparing for races and, um, you know, just kind of preparing myself for, you know, technical tracks. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have my bumps and bruises and my scars to show for it. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, on my race runs, I try to keep it on two wheels and it doesn't mean I don't crash. I, you know, even this year I had, uh, with, with so many races being canceled and everything. And, you know, even with the, some limited races I had, I had, you know, one go down, but it happens. Yeah. And when we talk about like how, you know, extreme, you know, this downhill is, it's actually quite technical the way you train and it actually comes down to seconds at each stage. You know, in overall, you know, the, the distance or the time between first and second is not very far. People think these events, it may take you all day, but when you're only timing the downhill, you know, uh, a slip gear or a missed turn or something like that could ruin your entire race or stage, right? That's, that's absolutely correct. 
And, uh, and Dan, as you're as you're aware, even in um, even in a six day race, um, you know, it came down to less than a minute and a half. I think yeah, less than a minute and a half. Yeah, between uh, and that's out of six days of racing, being in the saddle. You can go ahead and say between you can go ahead and say between the podium and not the podium, right? Uh, yes, I could say that. <laughs> I could say that. That's rough. So, let's so on these on the downhill sections, it you know I'm assuming we're talking about like like a ski slope, right? So, how long? No, how long are the are the downhill portions? I mean, I'm like I'm not a mountain biker, but a really intense downhill can like just tax your arms and your shoulders. Like I don't think people realize until you you've done those iterations, like how sore your upper body can get and fatigued it can get after just one run. So like, how far is this? It, it, it varies on um, different stages. Um, and it, it really kind of depends on where the venue is. You know, obviously there's uh, you know, I, I race everywhere from, um, you know, Mexico up to Oregon, like in, you know, kind of a normal season and, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll apply for invite only races. That'll take me up to, uh, you know, places like British Columbia, or in this case, uh, New Zealand this year. And so it, it really depends. Wait, you know, we're allowed to go to New Zealand as Americans. We, I don't know right now. Well, Jerry, I think is one of the, the last people I think allowed to travel for a race before everything got shut down. Uh, that was the last cool thing I did. <laughs> In New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah. Oh wow. Okay, so you you've already done that race. Okay. I already did. Yeah, I already. Did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead. We're like international pariahs right now. Like we can't go but anywhere. To, to answer your question, I mean, I local mountains like Big Bear, Snow Summit. You know the. You know you're looking at like maybe maybe like five to seven minute stages. So, but the the elevation is isn't that high. But we you go to. Um, um, you know, like some of the, like Ashland, Oregon, you know, there could be a 20 minute stage and, you know, same thing with, um, you know, some of this, you know, stages in New Zealand, it was, you know, stage after stage was 15 to 20 minutes of just all out balls to the wall downhill and, you know, pretty technical trail. Well, let's go ahead. And, you know, since we've already started to talk about New Zealand, let's go ahead and, uh, talk about this, the race the last race you did, uh, before COVID hit. And tell us what it was and, and how it went. Sure, that was the uh, uh, Trans NZ Enduro. Um, it did. It took place right before the shutdowns, end of February, beginning of March, were the dates of it. Um, it was on the South Island in New Zealand, and you know we raced um, we raced zones like Craigie Burn, Canterbury, and and of course the famous Queenstown trails and. Um, that, that was a, that was a race to prepare for, um, six days. You're in the saddle four to six hours a day, probably more like five to six hours a day. Um, you know, in general, we were, you know, the, the actual, the actual mileage on a per day basis was not that significant, maybe about like 20 miles a day, but the, we were, we were climbing, pretty, you know, pretty steep mountains and descending really steep uh, terrain. So, you know, we were putting in like 
5,000 feet of elevation gain pretty much on a daily basis for all six days. Um, you know, so at the end of the, I think the stats at the end were, you know, it's about 120 miles total, um, about 35,000 feet of climbing and about 45 feet of descending. Cause you know, a couple of the zones had a few, uh, uh chairlift transfers on, um, you know, some of the, you know, the bike park areas, particularly in Queenstown. Now, how many people were out here riding for this uh, event and they, did they come from all over the world or mainly New Zealand? They came. Yeah. So this, this, this is a race where, um, they want to make sure you're going to be able to, you know, make the physical efforts that are involved with this race. And they, so that you fill out an online application and then from that application, you get, you get it either accepted or rejected. And, you know, in my case, I got accepted. Um, so then, you know, you basically show up, you know, to the venue and, and, uh, you know, get ready to race. But, you know, the preparation is, is really being able to put in that kind of mileage and, and you know, really the, in, in particular putting in, um, you know, the, the ability to climb 5,000 feet in a day, um, and then still be able to descend as fast as you can downhill in between those stages. So, you know, that, that's where the real, you know, that's like where the real training and the benefit, you know, comes in to, you know, prepare for a, you know, an like that. But whenever I would see you post photos from this race, all I saw was you drinking beer in local villages, you know, you know hanging out. So I don't, I don't know really know how much racing you day of racing. <laughs> you're drinking. So racing all day, drinking in the afternoons, evenings, huh? Well, I, not drinking heavily, but uh, yeah, enjoying a beer after a, a full day of stages is not so bad. Helps relax the muscles, get you ready for the next day. Yeah. And so what was it like going into this train of New Zealand? Was it different than what you expected? Was it a lot more, you know, rocky or technical or were there just a variety of, of trains on each day? I was really surprised at the diversity of, of trails and the different reason, regions we raced. Um, Craigie Burn was real alpine um with big scree fields so you know you you drop into stages and next thing there's like a washed out rock scree field where you're just kind of skating and skiing like down the hill and um <clears throat> we also had such a wide variety of weather um heavy rains hot sunny days um you know so it was it, it was a little uh it was definitely a little different than, you know, racing on the West coast. Um, just from, you know, features and, you know, just size of mountains and, and, uh, in particular the weather, you know, coming from Southern California, I, I can race, um, dusty blown out trails with my eyes, eyes closed. But when you're getting in, um, you know, slick, greasy roots and mud, that's, uh, you know, that's a whole nother uh, challenge as well. It's fun though. Did you ever, I mean, I'm, I'm on the website right now, so I'm seeing your time. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. Um, but did you ever get a chance during any of this to like take in the vistas? Like just some of the pictures on the website are just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that, obviously not on the downhill, you're probably fully focused, but. So you, what one of the. Head up at any point and just take a look around. 
what one of the really cool things of, about that whole event is there's not i mean it's not like there's racers you know there, there's probably like 150 racers you're 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 with you're with this group that you know by by the end you pretty much know every single person on course you know you had an opportunity to sit with them on a bus you had an opportunity to room with them in a region um you had dinner with them you shared a beer with them um and probably more likely you climbed up to the top of a mountain you know that took 30 minutes with them so you know you get to know a lot of these people really well um you know i have friends from around the world from that event and you know those 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 friendships are dear to me these are people i you know i stay in touch with you know mainly on social media facebook and instagram and you know it's good to hear from them and and you know i'm, I'm sure i'm sure you know it cuts both ways i'm, I'm sure they're glad to hear from me i remember you yeah. saying before you did this race that you wanted to do well in it, but the goal was not necessarily to win. You wanted to see if you, you know, get you know, on the podium or, or there. And so, of course, you're always going to push yourself and, and, and challenge yourself there. But how much of it was just getting through the day, not trying to, to DNF? And how much of it was just, you know, trying to, to put a good time? Um, definitely... Definitely um, trying to make it down course and not DNF is a, is a huge part. Um, you know, the other big part is, you know, making sure you're not, you're not blowing up your bike. Um, you know, a lot of the trails, you know, were, had a lot of rocks, a lot of roots, um, you know, a lot of things that could, you know, rip off a derailleur or, you know, give you a flat tire or break a rim or, you know, anything can happen. And, and we, we, in this race, um, you know, if you, if you pulled up, you know, the list of racers, you know, out of like 150 people or so, there were probably like 11, 12 people that did DNF and they, they became our best cheering squad on, on a lot of these race runs The you know, the ones that were still able to get out on the, you know, get out on the race course and, cheer us on like with their broken clavicles and their slings and their <laughs> D-glove mandibles. Yeah. And <laughs> so let's, let's go and talk about it, you know, because having injuries on downhill is not like ultra marathon where I could, you know, pull, you know, a calf muscle or, or, you know, you're in a swing. Your feet are bleeding out of your yeah. shoes. You know, those types of things. The injuries that come up with the, all these enduro sports are, excuse me, pretty gnarly. So tell us about, and in particular, there's one I want to hear about, but some of the injuries that can happen on a downhill, whether it's in New Zealand or anywhere else. So I, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've seen the gambit of, of injuries to, you know, person and equipment, um, you know, just like with other competitors, you know, I've, I, you know, I've seen plenty of broken clavicles, broken arms, broken legs, broken ribs. Um, I've seen people knocked out doing the kicking chicken on the side of the trail <laughs> what is the kicking chicken that's when you get knocked out man you're having like a seizure <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. okay um not great you know, no, I, I've, I've seen people concuss pretty bad where uh they don't really know where they're at and they're 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 dazed and confused and you know that that's even a lot of times wearing a full face helmet and um you know so the I mean, when you go down, like in some of these events there, I mean, you could be, 
going over the handlebars, cascading down, you know, rock shoots and just, you know, landing in rocks hurts. Like there, there's like boulders. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and also those bushes and tree limbs come out out of nowhere and just smack you in the face, I would imagine. They, they, that's what's, that's what's nice about wearing goggles and a full face helmet. But, um, yeah, the, you know, usually like the forearms and the shins and things like that, they'll, they'll take the brunt of that. You'll see, you'll see the, uh, you know, the scars and, you know, the little blood drips and all that from, uh, you know, just hitting, hitting random branches on course and whatnot. So tell us about uh, some strange injuries that you've seen out on the courses. Well, particularly the, one in New Zealand. the, the, so what one of my all right so new zealand um i had one buddy from san diego come out day one stage two we're in uh, the craigie burn forest and he i don't know exactly what he did nobody knows exactly what he did um one of the other guys we were racing with that, that dropped in right behind him dropped in with a gopro camera and all he came up to was uh, uh, our buddy Matt laying on the ground. And obviously he was knocked out. He was obviously like knocked himself cold, was probably out for, you know, 20, 30 seconds before, you know, my, our other buddy Brent ran up on him with the GoPro. And he, he tries getting up and he does this roll like off the trail and like does this like tumble. <laughs> and you know, so clearly not in a good position and his face is all banged up. And, and, uh, um, so a, another racer went down the trail to, you know, just kind of alert like some of the medical staff, because, you know, there are medical staff at these events they are not necessarily everywhere on the course, but they're, you know, they're, they're accessible. So, um, so we basically, he got down to the medic, um, he wound up having to go to the hospital and his biggest injury, um, was he, he, when he face planted and knocked himself out, he tore his lip like off the bone down here, which ah! is called degloving your mandible. Degloving your de-gloving mandible. Degloving your mandible. What so, the fuck? So basically so, pulling your lips off of your face. So, oh, so, so here's the deal. Matt, Matt, Matt's a good rider, but you know, this was his first blind racing stage race event. And, and he, and he, and I've done a few of them and, and he asked me, he's like, he's like, Jerry, are you going to wear your full face helmet? Or are you going to wear your half shell? And I said, I'm going to wear my full face. And he's like, I think I'm going to wear my half shell. And I'm like, all right go for it and and sure enough like i said day one stage two of a six-day race in new zealand you know he flew all the way from we flew from los angeles to you know to uh you know the south island of new zealand and he's out you know stitches like what's the benefit of having your half of your face exposed the there is no benefit i the, the benefit is you don't have to wear a heavier uh full face helmet that doesn't breathe as well and whatever else, but I, you know, I, I like my, I would like to keep my face (laughs) loved. So, so the best, the best, the best part about the best part about this story was not so much the injury. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of a shame, but you know, you got to face it. You get, it's, 
You gotta uh, face it. He's <laughs> we we had some great nicknames for him the rest of the trip. <laughs> Matt Glovin, um, Hannibal, or uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Mandible Lecter, <laughs> Mandible Lecter, and we came up with some great ones. And and uh, <laughs> he was a trooper. You know, he he you know he took all of it with stride and knew we were like making. Did he DNF or did he keep going? No, he. He um he he DNF'd. He he uh there was no way he was rotting the, the the second day. He was you know, he he got back from by the time he got back from the hospital and they did the emergency like surgery to sew all his stuff back on and um you know he was a mess. Like he didn't get back until like early, early in the next morning. So he was out the next day. And then after that, he was kind of considering, but then he was like getting headaches and he realized he's like, hey, you know, I'm. He probably had like a, a worse. This was like a worse concussion than, than you know he you know he thought he had, and so he just he chilled. So, um, hey, vacation to New Zealand. Like I said, he he would cut on the this on on some of the zones and some of the areas like where you you have to ride out you know to the actual race zone. Like he he would ride out and then kind of like hike hike his bike you know, to somewhere like a vantage point where he can watch and whatnot. And the, the, the reality is as, as more people DNF'd as things went on and, you know, like I said, the, the broken clavicles and all this stuff, like, you know, the cheering section grew and it was, uh, um, you know, even though we would have loved to have raced with all those folks, uh, you know, and had fun and did all that. It was, it was great having them on the course cheering and, and, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, it's, it's cool seeing your friends like that, you know, cheering you on. That's awesome. When, I mean, it's not awesome that he's, you know, he had the face off moment, but, uh, so, so I, oddly enough, um, he, he doesn't, he no longer owns a half shell. He just owns a <laughs> right? true, true story. He's, that's all he wears now is a, a full I would too. He has yeah. a face that detaches. So, sometimes on the bigger climbs he could detach it and stuff his uh you know the chin part like in his uh you know kind of his on you know in his backpack or hip thing and then and then click it back on like you know for when when he actually goes on downhill so i guess he's got the best of both worlds but you know, yeah hopefully, yeah hopefully he'll once, keep his mandible in place once gloved half shy right oh, <laughs> that's <geez>. right <laughs> that's great <laughs> So as the race goes on and you're starting to get to day six, at what point does it become serious and you're starting to now look at your times and think, okay, you know, we're having fun, but now I really want to push the pace and try to, to finish strong. Did that ever come up or did you just take whatever you could get? Cause I think you, we were talking about it before. You said you were just going to take it easy for the first you know, three, four days and then see where you were. And if you were in a position to do well, then you were going to crank it up. Um, yeah, my, my strategy really was to try to take it easy and then crank it up. Um, I, I took it easy, I would say, day one, and then realized, you know, I'm, I feel really strong going into this event. I think I could push pretty hard. And so I, I, I pushed hard pretty much day two through six. Um, I might not have pushed hard on like the uphills. I took the easier climbs. Um, but when it came to the downhill, I, I was dropping in and like I meant it. And, um, there is a little reserve with that because, you know, as I mentioned, th this, 
most enduro courses, you have the opportunity sometimes to do a track walk um, and then have a practice session, you know, to, you know, to actually kind of ride the course ahead of time and sort of know what you're experiencing. This, this was truly six days of blind racing. And blind racing is just a you, you gotta, I mean you can't Google Earth this thing or anything. Like you have no idea if you're coming up to like a 15 foot hawk off a cliff into like a scree field. You have no idea. The the you you train your you train your eyes to not worry about stuff that's underneath tires and look way, way ahead. And that you know, and you just sort of glance, you know, just down slightly, you know, just peripheral vision, you know, and kind of see like when you're hitting rocks and, you know, bouncing over stuff. But, you know, the further you can look ahead and the, you know, the more successful you're going to be on a blind race stage. And, and so I, I really paid attention to, you know, where my eyes were, um, you know, really, uh, if I, if there was something that, uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure about, I, I wouldn't just go, I just wouldn't go into it with reckless abandon. Um, I did, you know, for the most part, I mean, I had some like little washouts in this race or like, you know, little bobbles, but I had a pretty clean six days without any like really big go downs or like any big, you know, kind of crash. I mean, obviously there's lots of mistakes with that amount of racing, but, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, at the end of the day, like, Yes, I, I placed fourth and it would have been nice to, you know, be in, be in the top three, but, you know, the way they run that master's course or the, the you know, the master's, um, you know, it's, it's 40 plus open and I'm 50. I placed fourth with, you know, a whole field of, you know, guys younger than me, you know, sometimes 10 years younger than me. So I, I don't really, you know, th this was one of the races where I feel like I gave it what I had. And, and I, I don't feel like I left anything back that I, you know, have regrets for. And the, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, that, that took me for on, um, you know, took the third and, you know, place for me. It, he was a super nice guy from New Zealand and, you know, got to know him. And, um, you know, he rides with uh, pro riders from New Zealand. The guy was top notch as well. So, you know, I just, if I was going to lose to someone, I don't want to, but, um, it was, you know, it was fair. He beat me, he beat me fair. And the other two guys were, uh, you know, leagues ahead of us. Um, so, you know, anyway, it was, it was an amazing event and, you know, I'd, I'd love to get invited back and, um, you know, I'm going to bring it just as hard if I do. So on this one, it like, is there an automatic re-entry if you get, you know, you crack the top, 20 or something you you get an invite back or pretty you much you get next year you, pretty much you get you get a priority you know you get a priority spot if you uh if you submit your applications on time and whatnot it just particularly if you if you did well and you know actually made it through the race there you know i obviously that gives you some kudos and you know so you come back as like you know you, you defend what you what you accomplished last year that's right I appreciate your, your graciousness in, in accepting defeat. Um, if I lost to Greg at anything, I would be extremely pissed. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find something, Dan. It's just because you won't swim or ride a bike. 
I'll ride a bike. No, I don't, I don't like losing, but uh, like if, if I know I gave a hundred percent, what, what can I do? What can I say? I gotta, I gotta at least be pleased with what I put down. So you luckily got this in right before the coronavirus kicked in and, and the world right before it was like two weeks later and everything was starting to shut down. It was insane. Just the other week though, you, you were able to actually do a race and there's very few sports right now where, you know, races, there are no Ironmans, there are no triathlons, there are no. Apparently there's a Vol State. There is a Vol State because there's like 60 people running over 300 miles. You're nowhere near anybody else. And it's in Tennessee and they don't care about coronavirus. So, (laughs) but so I was surprised to see that you were doing China Peak, the Enduro race. So tell us about that one. And that was what, just a couple of weeks ago. Like yeah, how does it work with the coronavirus and the, getting the permits and. Ah, oh, geez. So let's just, be, yeah. I mean, let's talk about China Peak, but let, let's, let's talk about this, this season, you know, so China Peak. <clears throat> so what, one of my goals you know, like over these last, you know, few years has really been to do events that I can qualify points to make it to the Enduro World Series races. And the, there's a, there's a West Coast series called the California Enduro Series and China Peak's part of it. Um, the, the, the California Enduro Series had postponed you know, and or canceled, you know, the first, you know, three events of the season. And then, you know, China Peak, you know, was coming up and, you know, then they finally announced, okay, we're doing China Peak. And I was happy we're, we're doing China Peak because that, that's a, that's an Enduro World Series qualifier race. Um, and like I said, I'm trying to get points for that. So, so I was happy we're having it. I was, I was wondering how that was going to go and that event sold out. So they, there were a lot of guidelines, you know, fortunately, um, I guess for my sport, you know, basically, you know, just this Enduro format, you know, the, it naturally provides some social distancing because you drop, you drop into courses one racer at a time um, it's usually like, you know, 20 to 30 second gaps, you know, kind of depending on the stages and, and then you're on your own, like for climbs, like if, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're going to climb with someone, you know, you're typically climbing up, you know, fire roads and, you know, you could create your own like little social distancing. And, you know, so the only places where you really got to worry about, uh, um, and they want you to wear face masks and, things of that nature are, are race registrations, award ceremonies, like any of the other kind of group things, you know, more before or after. Um, so it worked to a degree. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, people were there and having fun and, you know, seeing people they haven't seen for a while. So, you know, I don't know that, that I didn't see any face masks except like in the, uh, you know, the, the venue where they really, you know, even passed them out if you didn't have one. Um, yeah. The, but the organizers had to do their part to make sure that, it, yeah, that people were covered when they had to be, or, you know, at least prepared to be covered. Yep. And, and they, and they did. And, uh, 
it was uh and china peak was a great event i mean it was it was i think everyone was so just cooped up at home and you know the the i mean these are racers you know like i mean you want to you want to compete you want to do your thing and and the you know the only kind of general sentiment like just from everyone is i really haven't been training you know it's people have been riding their bikes but you know the you know gyms have been closed so no, nobody's really hitting weights and um people Plus, are schools are closed so you're you know they yeah so other you obligations guys, young like kids kids yeah. or you know the yeah. list the, the i mean excuses i guess or you know can go on and on and on but there's a reality behind some of it and and then also you know a lot of times like when you're preparing for an event like you're preparing for an event and when you're seeing things get canceled left and right and you just don't know it's kind of hard to you know kind of put in the effort and you know really just sort of you know ramp your training up you know for specific event you know china peaks right. a, china peaks one of the event because it is an ews qualifier that you know i would have spent a little more time like gearing up for you know fortunately like i've been riding my bike so much like um you know i haven't necessarily been training riding but i've been riding my bike hard where i didn't feel you know, fatigued on the course, um, you know, I probably could have had a little bit more, um, you know, like been a little more prepared, like kind of upper body, like an arm strength. And if only you, know, you knew somebody that could give you some of these upper body workouts <laughs> they would actually do on your own. You would have been much better. I, in fact, I, I would have been much better. I would have been much better. Oh my goodness. But no, I'm a, I'm a shell of a man without coach Dan. Yeah. I was going to say your arms look a lot thinner than the last time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna leave you guys alone. I'm gonna go get a beer. You guys can continue this part of the conversation without yeah. me. So, how did China Peak go? Uh, how did it like? How did you end up, and how did it go versus what you expected? So, this was. Uh, so I've raced at China Peak a few times, and and this particular year, it was so dry, like just powdery, dusty dirt, and China Peak's really a. I would say out of all the California Enduro Series races, it's way up there as far as technical abilities. And it, I mean, it is a gnarly, gnarly course. And, you know, so to add in loose, dry, dusty conditions, um, you know, it, it was – it was challenging. So we, we uh, were able to do a practice day on Friday. And so there was five stages to this race. Um, the, the most technical stage is stage five. Stage five on this, on, on the, you know, on this, this mountain is just, it's, it's so gnarly. It's, it's one of those 50 50 chances whether you're you might make it down a run or not wow and and uh i i practiced i practiced on when i practiced it on friday there was there's was really two sections towards the top that are are super super challenging and i love crazy gnarly technical tracks i love them like it's my it's my favorite and <laughs> And I practiced them, um, clean, you know, clean the stages, and then I went 
took the lift up and ran them twice, clean, top to bottom, no problem. Uh, race day, you know, just from people running race runs down like all day. And, um, you know, I, I was actually running like a little behind pace because uh, um, I was having a little mechanical issue with my bike and I had, I had to deal with it kind of early on. So it kind of put me, I guess, like a little bit behind, like I'm seeding a little bit, even though I was still making it to stages on time. Um, the, which, which is part of the sport, you know, you have like these mechanicals and you got to deal with them. Um, but by the time I dropped into stage five, I, I sat in the gate and I'm waiting for them to start counting me down. And I was confident. Like I was, I was like, all right, man, I got this. I'm in right now. I'm in first place. I got this. No worries. And, and, and then I was thinking about, I'm just going through my mind, you know, I'm like, running the course in my brain saying, all right, I know where to watch. I got to watch this turn. I got to watch this rock field. I got to watch this off camber. I got to watch. And, and then I, and I even remembered this course from other years. And, and then I said, all right, Jerry, don't get too hung up on your lines. The course has changed. You know, I just like, I know it's changed that, you know, corners that were makeable are going to be blown out like way downhill. And I'm just going to have to go lightly. And, you know, I had a whole game plan. So I drop into stage five and the course was because it was so dry and so powdery, like so much dirt has moved. It's like a completely different course. There's, there's, there's holes where there wasn't holes. There's rocks where there wasn't rocks. And the, the, one of the most technical parts was this like, you could either go wide, like over these rocks, or you could kind of like take a left. And my line was this left because I liked the way it set me up to go, you know, out of the corner and, and, you know, clear over these, this next rock field. And I, I went, I tried taking that line and it was gone and I hit a rock and it kind of just sent me over and I went off course, bike flipping down the hill, pulled my bike up <laughs> I had to twist my handlebars back, got on my bike, kept going. I had another bobble on another technical section. And then I'm, now I'm like, now I'm like, all right, I got to make up time. And I'm just hammering down the hill and it's super rocky. And it's just like operating a jackhammer, like that, 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 like just bouncing down the hill. And from all the, from the first crash, like where my handlebars twisted and everything, the uh the impact from just bouncing through those rocks had broke uh one of my levers off and because it, it must have been stressed and, and just the bouncing of the rocks just broke it free and now this thing's spinning around on my spokes like thrum, thrum, thrum. and and so i have to, i'm like oh my gosh i can't have my my front wheel lock up by this thing getting stuck in my spokes like it's, i'm really going to get sent over the handlebars and get hurt like i don't want to land in rocks so, so I, I lock up, I lock up the tires, pull this stuff out of my spokes, wrap it around, get back on course. And, and then I finish up the race. I lost, I, I missed first. I took second on the day. I lost first place by 19 seconds. Oh, and I looked at the guys that cleared the course that I was beating on other stages. I lost an entire minute 
like with those that fiasco of the crash the bobble and and then having to pull that out of my spokes so you contrary to taking fourth at new zealand taking second when i'm sitting on the podium and i'm looking at my my second place but i was like this is firewood like <laughs> like i was oh, not man, you, but you salvaged a podium <laughs> well i salvaged the podium but but at the same time i that i did not feel good i i i would i should have beat that dude hands down yeah. and and if i didn't have that mechanical i would have beat it and it's part of my sport mechanicals are part of my sport and i need to accept it and i'm not going to get hung up on it it's not going to ruin my season i i you know i took a second place and then on top of that um they I actually got extra points on this race. So point wise, like I'm still sitting fantastic because they, uh, they established on these races, they established what's called the queen stage. And so stage three of the day was the queen stage. And so you get, you get extra points. So you get five extra points, you know, towards the series for um, winning your queen stage and then five extra points for every other stage you won. So I won two stages that day. So I took second and got 10 extra points towards my, uh, you know, towards my standing. So like, it was a good day. Like it was a good day for Jerry, but at the same time, like I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't loving that. It didn't feel like a good day. Yeah. It didn't feel like, but then you got to think about, you know, you lost a minute, like in a minute, if I fell off my bike, it would take me at least a minute just to figure out what happened. Oh my God. I would have been dazed for a minute. You know, so to have an issue like that and to be able to consistently quick think like, all right, pull the spoke off, fix this, do that, keep moving. I mean, yes, in your sport, it's a lot of time, but like really it's not that you, it's a lot of quick thinking and adjusting on the fly there to, to be able to keep going and not lose more time. It, it, it's, it's true. And then avoid something more catastrophic. Yeah. Right. But that all comes from like the amount of practice that you've done. Right. Like if I were to have that situation, like to Dan's point, I would just be, I'd be sitting on the side of the, the trail, you know, I'd just be sitting there, you know, crying. <laughs> I'm done. I fell. I'm out. Well, but you, you would be you crying, Greg. Slammed your, your handlebars back into place and then still salvaged a second. That's, that's like a testament to your, you know, your training and the, the amount of, I guess, intestinal fortitude it takes to do this. I was there to win. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my question. Do you have to be riding your bike across the finish line? <laughs> Carry it. <laughs> no, as long as you get across the finish line with your bike, you're okay. So I can just throw this, this bike on my shoulder and start running downhill. <laughs> That's what I yeah, would. Yeah, well, you mentioned mechanical. So, like, if you're within sight and you've got, you know, like, you can make it down the hill with a flat. Not great, but, like, do you, is that, like, factor into your decision-making? Like, I could fix this and it's going to take me a couple of minutes. Like I imagine you don't fix anything on a downhill event. Yeah. So yeah. It, and you're right. It, it is a judgment call. Um, so something like happened that to me, you know, where it's really just a lever, but you know, the consequence of it, of it, of that lever, like really getting stuck in my spoke and not just slapping around in my spoke. 
would lock up my front tire. So yeah, you know, that, that's a that's like a that's a that's not just like a bike mechanical waiting to happen. That's that's bodily injury waiting to happen. So I'm gonna stop my bike and fix something like that. But yeah, if I get a flat, then I'm probably gonna finish the stage with a flat. Um, and I actually prepare for things like flats. Like when when I set my bikes up, I have a a foam insert that I put into my rear tire. It makes it a little heavier as well, but it's sort of an insurance policy. So if like I a run I, flat, exactly, exactly. Are you running so tubeless? I'm running tubeless. Yeah. Yeah. Tubeless with um, uh, it's called a Cush Core insert, but the the insert um, is like a foam insert, and and uh, you know, so your tire will run soft. And I but guess it's not can, gonna like it's not gonna shear off like it's not gonna rim. shear off, and it's not gonna that foam insert will help protect my uh, my rim from you know serious damage, so that you know, I, I could, I could fix the tire like in between stages really quick if I wanted to. How come you don't run that on the front tire too? It's not the, as important because you're well, on your back tire so hard. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, um, <laughs> knock on wood. Cause now, now, now it's going to happen to me. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, you, I, it, 90%, Five percent of the time, the flat's going to occur on the rear tire. That's the the front, the the front tire. You're kind of skimming over things. Your back tire is like really taking like impact, and um, you know you're letting that rear shock like really do its thing. Um, so yeah, I mean you're most of the time it's a rear tire flat, and and you know the weight of those foam inserts is not you know, they're heavy and, um, you know, so putting an insurance policy in the, in the rear and, you know, keeping the front a little lighter, like nimbler, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way I set it up. Some people might do it differently. If, if it was like a true, you know, downhill event, I'd probably just run it in both. Right. Um, but you know, my, my sport has, you know, even on the downhills, it has, pedal sections in the middle and, you know, little uphill climbs and things like that, even though it's like a net downhill, uh, balls to the wall run. Right. All right, Jerry. Well, I've got three more questions. Greg, do you have any more questions for, for Jerry here? No, no I mean, I'm just like, every time we do one of these episodes, my wife is like, you can't pick up another sport. I know. Like this, this is probably amazing. the only one that I would love to do. Like Jerry, when I get a mountain bike, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have to, we'll go up to some, hit some trails here locally. Um, so the first question I have is, you know, as a mountain, you know, an expert mountain biker, I'd call you, do you ever do any of these like crazy mountain bike stunts like this? Uh, there's a guy named Danny McGaskill or McCaskill. Do you know that guy? Yeah, McCaskill, yeah. And uh, like, have you ever seen any of his videos? Like it's look this up. with the mountain bike. Can you do any of those insane stunts? Is that something that all mountain bikers do? That that is not something all my mountain bikers do, and I'd say there's very very few that have uh, Danny McCaskill's skills. The guy's pretty amazing. Oh, this is the guy that rides around in the fucking gym. Yes, he's like on the tightrope and the balance beam. And he, he has like you the pummel horse. 
Yeah. You can, you can watch that guy's videos. Like if, you know, if you put them up on YouTube, like it doesn't get old because it's, 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 it's pretty insane with that, that, you know, the talent that that man has on a bike and like what he can do. It's yeah, but no, I don't, I don't have, I don't have those skills. No, I tried to do a little Danny McCaskill the other day when I was riding around with my girls and, you know, one of them's on like a 14 wheel, like Huffy and the other one's got, you know, like a mountain bike. And I'm like, I could bunny hop this little double jump and just eat shit right in front of my kids thinking like, I just watched this video of Danny McCaskill, like doing the pommel horse on a bike. I could, I could do an endo and then bounce. And then, yeah, I wound up on my face. <laughs> Yeah, a strong moment for dad. I would love to have seen that, Greg. So yeah, to to further answer your question, I I'm not a trick guy. I'm a I'm a racer. So like my style of riding, I like riding hard and fast down hills. I'll take big hits. Um, about the fanciest I get is like whipping my bike. That's 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 about it. <laughs> All right. I'm a. Um, I'm a triathlete, so if your tires are off the ground, you're slowing down. Something's wrong if your tires are off the ground. Yeah, if you're out of the tuck, something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> and, and plus, you know, mountain biking, Greg, you can't wear as much spandex as you do. You can wear just as much spandex mountain biking, but you look ridiculous. you got to be... With the full face helmet, yes. Totally, you've got to be relevant. <laughs> <laughs> all right jerry so two more what is next on your schedule so obviously they're doing some enduro races do you have anything coming up i do um in uh the uh two weekends i'm up in mount shasta for um another california enduro series race all right so how are you looking on the enduro series like if points wise are you doing pretty good well, we only had one race, which was China Peak. So, you know, having 10 extra points plus the second place, I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, there's really only been um, – there, there were two – there, just in general, um, on the West Coast, there's only really been three races that have take, taken place. There was, uh, there was two semi-local races, like out at Vail, Vail Lake, um, I took first place in both of those at, uh, um, you know, in the master's expert category. Um, and then there was China peak, everything else kind of in between was canceled, um, including big, big events like the sea otter classic that's, that's canceled. Um, you know, so I'm glad we'll see if Mount Shasta happens in two weeks, like with the rising COVID cases and whatnot, but at this point, it seems to be on, and you know, they're the the CES promoters, uh, Steve and Megan, both great people, are um, you know they're putting uh, you know kind of new uh, information out, you know how how they're even going to up the game, like with some of the social distancing and some of the protocols for uh, COVID. They're gonna they're gonna start integrating masks because there there's one lift stage in in that event as well, and they're gonna they're gonna integrate masks into the into the lift uh, transfer. Well, I That's hope good. it goes on. Have you, so I know this is near and dear to Dan's heart, but so with all the races that aren't happening, has Enduro started incorporating any virtual races? Interestingly enough, um, there's, 
there's some talk about integrating some virtual races, but none of them have taken place to date. Right. And I know some people that are, are working on that. Jerry, would you be interested in doing a virtual beer mile? Which I'm still <laughs> working on getting this thing up and, up and, and going. You can ride your mountain bike for all I care. A mountain Wait, bike. What? I'm in. <laughs> oh man. With one He's got to do at least 20 miles. That's yeah. not fair. <laughs> um, all right. So my That's last like 20 question. beers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I better start training on the beer part. <laughs> right. I guess seriously, actually, no, it would be seriously, 80, like part, it would be part, of, this, part of the COVID. I was like, you know, I, st I started out and it was like almost like a vacation. And, you know, my kids were on spring break and it's like, oh, well, maybe a couple extra beers. And then, and then I'm like, yeah, this is lame. Like I, so I actually like stopped drinking for the longest time. I have, I'm having a beer for this podcast, All right. and, but it's pretty few and far between these days. Oh man. We're like the opposite. <laughs> no. Um, so the last question I have here. So last week we, we had, we would come up with that every athlete, every sport has a story, you know, regarding, um, how do I put this delicately? Don't put it delicately. Basically a shit story. So I'm going to start asking everybody, do you have a, a, a fail story or a close call with regard to mountain biking? Because, you know, with triathlons, running, swimming, you know, we talked to Sonny, all these endurance athletes have to, you know, work around bathroom issues. Is there anything that you'd like to share with us regarding mountain biking? <laughs> like an epic fail, like in a race? If you shot yourself <laughs> on the race or anything like that? <laughs> uh I lost a chamois. Yeah. <laughs> no, ser seriously, uh, the, uh, the, there, there is, there is a story. So I, I was out at, uh, um, I think it was, what was it? Two years ago, two years ago or three years ago. I was, I was at the uh, Kamikaze games out in mammoth, mammoth mountain. And, uh, um, you know, so I raced both the, you know, the Kamikaze and the Enduro race. What is the, the Kamikaze race? It's, it's basically, um, um, you basically go to the top of Mammoth Mountain and you just bomb down to fire road. You're, you're hitting speeds of like close to 70 miles an hour and you're just, you're, you're just, yeah, you're just letting it loose, but it's, it's the kamikaze run. It's a, it's a, it's a legendary race. Like you could look, look, look it up sometime and there's, there's like icons like, you know, to the, you know, to the sport, but um anyway so they that i was out there at one of the enduro races and and could they have a bunch of different events they have a downhill the kamikaze the enduro um you know they have some cross country you know it's a, it's a bike festival and mountain bike festival and but during the enduro race i uh you know i, I my stomach like normally i'm like i'm pretty easy you know it's like I wake up, cup of coffee, take care of business, done. Like I'm, I'm set for the day. For whatever reason, like cup of coffee, whatever didn't work, maybe the altitude, whatever. You know, so I'm, I'm pedaling like to do my stage. Like I'm coming down the stage and, you know, I, now I got to go. And, <laughs> and so I bet all the bouncing and the rocking doesn't help. Yeah. So for, fortunately, like, you know, so I got, I got to the end of my run. I'm like close to like one of the lodges and I'm like, I'm like doing the poop scoot in. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta go. I gotta go. And, and like, I'm having trouble. Like, cause now I got, I have my like 
hip pack and like all this stuff, like so I'm getting, I'm trying to get into the bathroom and like dealing with all this stuff and, and the, the rim wasn't good. And I didn't have time to put down like a, you know, the sheet. So I kind of did that. Casket. And it was just like, oh, like, it was just shit everywhere, man. Like, it was horrible. I'm like, so I'm only like two stages in like, and you know, three to go. I got shit in my chamois, like <laughs> pull the chamois off, toss it out. I'm like, now I'm free balling and, and just, uh, um, you know, just my normal bike shorts, no chamois, nothing like getting chafed, but you know, worried about my balls hitting my uh, seat on the way down or whatever. And that, that was, you know, so that, that's my fail. That, that's my fail at Kamikaze games, man. It was All bad. Right. <laughs> Wasn't a good one. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you very much for joining us and, and talking about your chamois and, and uh, <laughs> all the other, <laughs> the New Zealand race and, and giving us more information about uh, enduro racing. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us or where can people find out more about the events or follow you and see what you yeah, do? So yeah, if people wanted to, uh, you know, kind of check me out. My uh, Instagram is, is rad MTB dad. Um, that reminds then, me of one quick question I have for you. Yeah. But go finish up what you were saying. <laughs> Rad and then, uh, dad. And then Facebook is Jerry Devin. Um, I own a mountain bike like light company, uh, Zodiac lights. So, you know, that, that those Zodiac lights can be found on, on both, uh, Insta and, um, Facebook as well. Um, the, uh, you know, with Zodiac Lights, I put together a race team, um, you know, the Zodiac Light race team. And, you know, we, we wound up getting, uh, you know, a lot of support from, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, great sponsors. Um, you know, my company sponsors the team and then um, Ride Cyclery, Crank Nutritionals, uh, um, Victorize, Bossa Nova Vision, Sock Guy. Better Buzz, Purely Dental, Royal Racing, Seven oh, wow. IDP, Tag, um, and then I have some other, uh, you know, obviously like personal help, like Shift Fitness as an example. <laughs> um, we got uh, Ride Fast Racing Wheels. Uh, you know, supplies me with great carbon wheels that I love. Um, what else? Uh, Nesium is my new uh, chamois. It's my favorite. And I'm, I'm not going to soil those. <laughs> I could avoid it. <laughs> Man. And uh, I feel, Oh, uh, Gup industries, which is uh, like what an is inflatable that? tire sealant, um, like on the fly, like tire sealant. It's like an inflator and sealant all, all in one can. Um, gosh, I hope I'm not missing anyone, but. Well, that's and, okay. This like, isn't a NASCAR are, race. These are, uh, I mean, you sold the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> so my final question before we let you go, Jerry, is as a mountain biker, and we were just talking about this with some buddies that day, is your favorite movie rad? Do you know what I'm talking about the rad movie I, from the No, 80s? I, I, BMX. Dude, I, dude, BMX. I grew up with that BMX era and, and, and watched the, uh, you know, the rad, uh, that, that was a, I didn't expect that question for sure, but, uh, you know, that's definitely on the top list. As a matter of fact, um, not too long ago, I, uh, um, I actually, 
found uh, a version of that. I don't remember if it was on uh, Amazon or Netflix or wherever I found it, but I actually rented it like for the kids, which is kind of funny. <laughs> oh but my God. I didn't know Lori Loughlin was in that movie. Yes, is it right. in jail? Not yet, but she will be. Yeah, she oh, will man. be. man. But um, well, somebody awesome. else, we were talking about 80s you know, movies like uh, Gleaming the Cube and, and Rad came up. They came out, they re-released the trailer in 4K HD. And so I've got, it's on my list of movies to watch here. So uh, I just thought I'd ask you that. So Jerry, thank you for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in the gym again sometime soon. And good luck on the upcoming races, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. Cheers. It was great being on the show. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. That was awesome. That now I have a new obsession. I want to go to New Zealand and do this Trans NZ race. I the whole time he was talking, I was looking at the pictures. That looks amazing. Well, we know what we made it through episode seven, which uh, apparently most podcasts don't make it past episode six. So look at that. Well, I didn't make it to episode six, so this is my episode six. It's all it's all uphill from here. <laughs> all right man well uh hey we'll we'll talk to you later i'm going on a two-week vacation after this but we'll come back at the end of the month and uh let's see if you can get that um swim run guy on yeah yeah i gotta talk to andy all right, all right. are we out we are out all right oh, man. be sure to join the facebook group uh the endurance athlete podcast greg you're not on so don't worry about that you can follow me on instagram at the endurance athlete and uh, we'll talk to you sometime so we're not out. That's what you're saying. We're we are not, now. We're, we're not out. We're never out.